0: Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 9. <laughs> this is the SCT show.
1: Hughes carries to the hash mark, into the slot. Horvat scores. Just 12 seconds into the man advantage, the captain gets the Canucks on the board.
2: For fans. I want to win a cup,
1: and I don't know if you
0: guys want to win a cup. I want to win a cup. By fans. I mean it's pretty obvious to me that Jimbo got his ass handed to him. This offseason, right? Like, I, was, I, was, I could just imagine. Aqualino must have just tore him a new asshole.
1: Here are your hosts, Tanbir Rana and Nam Man.
0: Nam here. Episode 2. Season 3. Tanbir. Also joined by Ryan. Um, crazy news went down today. Here we are on the eve of the season starting And JT Miller and, uh, to a lesser extent, but still important depth piece, Jordy Ben are potentially unavailable for up to two weeks, maybe, uh, which, you know, sucks big time. A, um, season is going to come, you know, hot and heavy. Um, Could miss upwards of eight games in this two-week stretch. And uh, this sucks because, you know, Miller, arguably speaking, is our second best forward. And some might even consider him to be our best forward. Honestly, right? Like depending on you know where you, how you think of PD and his current development, and losing him for eight games that sucks. What are your thoughts, Danbir?
2: It's just tough, man. You know, losing JT Miller is like losing John Tavares for the you know Toronto Maple Leafs, or losing a Sean Monahan or a Johnny Goudreau for the Calgary Flames, right? So a big, loss. a big loss for a team that, you know, that people already questioned their goal scoring ability, even though they scored a lot of goals last year with the same group. You know, yeah. people, were already, people were already questioning that. You see how, you know, these people are all predicting the connects to miss the playoffs. And, you know, having JT Miller out of that lineup, you know, it's a, you know it hurts. But, you know, I think a lot of teams are going to go through this kind of stuff all season long. It's not going to be just the Canucks. There are going to be times that maybe you know somebody on the Leafs, a very important piece piece on the Leafs, is going to miss a few games. You know, so you know I'm not going to you know make excuses or anything. I think that you know this COVID stuff is it's a one year thing only, and uh, just have to you know like like Nate Schmidt said, adapt. And this is the 2021 is a year for adaptability, and I think that you know I think the Canucks are going to have to adapt and. You know, there are going to be some players that are going to get bigger opportunities, and there's some players that I feel like deserve those bigger opportunities. Are going to be uh, uh playing uh, in bigger perhaps, roles, and I'm pretty excited a, for that.
0: A Jake Bertanen, perhaps? I don't know, maybe, maybe.
2: Well, he was on the top line today with Brock and uh, Petey. You, so, what do you think of Brock's quote about Jake? Um, it's it's the truth, and uh, you know, it's not just Jake. Jake obviously has, we all know, he had defensive, de- you know, deficiencies, and I'm not I'm not going to run away from those. But I really felt like in the playoffs, he proved to Travis Green that he could be reliable. And I remember that play when he took that hit from you know McNabb uh, in Vegas? He got that puck out before he took yeah. that hit, and I felt like his defensive game—it it actually took away from his offensive game because he was playing in the bottom six, and that's why the production wasn't there that everybody wanted. But I really felt like Jake took a step in the in his defensive game in the playoffs, and that's why maybe Green is willing to try him in the top line and, and rely. And I agree. I think Brock is just telling it, it is how it is. You know, like I think, I think they know they got to be better defensively without JT Miller. You know, JT Miller is one of those guys that's going to help you on both sides of the rink. And Jake needs to be responsible defensively. And uh, I don't think it was a direct shot at Jake, but you know, people in this city are going to take it as a shot at Jake. But honestly, I just believe that he's saying it. You know, not just to Jake, he's saying it to PD, he's saying it to himself. Like that line as a whole has to be better defensively, you know. Yeah. And I remember that Pittsburgh game; they allowed like five unanswered goals that game. Malkin just went, Malkin just went nuts. And I remember that game because they had a big lead. And actually, Jake played pretty well that game, uh, assisting on a Pedersen goal and stuff, and scoring a goal. So you know they got to be better defensively. And uh, I think that's his goal for everyone, man. Like it's not just Jake, and if people want to take, you know, people want to take it as a direct shot at Jake. Go ahead, but uh, in my opinion, I think it's a it's a message to the whole team.
0: What a great opportunity for Jake, though, right? Like, I mean, with with Hoglander, you know, having a wonderful start to camp and at least, you know, getting that first shot in the top six, Jake has yet again a prime freaking opportunity, right, to start off on the right foot. and And, you know, maybe this could end up becoming a blessing in disguise when it's all said and done if he can actually step up, you know, and, and play well here. But, um, I mean, what a huge opportunity for him. Unfortunately, um, man, this this sucks because, again, you want to get off to the good start. Travis Green teams have been known to get off to good starts. You looked at the schedule and you felt like, hey, man, this first, like, eight to ten games, you know, there's a possibility we can get off to a pretty decent start and and that would have been fantastic. Um, Now, a lot of the folks who said there's depth issues, well, we're about to find out, right? And it's kind of unfortunate, too, that, you know, I guess a, a good thing that it's not a long-term ish, injury, but, uh, man, you're getting tested right away in terms of, you know, we're, we're going to find out what the depth is all about.
2: Yeah, the um, depth is going to be important, man. It's, it's, the taxi squad's going to be important. Um, there's going to be players that are going to be playing that we're just like, that probably wouldn't get a chance in uh, in, a, in a normal regular season, you know? Um, yeah. I think a broken Rafferty could play a Jalen Chatfield could play guys that never even got a chance to play last year. Right. So
0: you do have to be, imagine we'll go 10 deep at least again. Right. Oh In yeah. It's going
2: to be, it's going to be a crazy year, yeah. but I'm just happy the hockey's back. Like, you know, like having, not having hockey is not normal for a lot mm-hmm. of people, you know, including myself. And I'm sure for everyone that's listening to the show right now, like it's a weird dynamic to have, like, I've always been used to having hockey around. Obviously when there's lockouts, it's tough, but you know, yeah. around this time where the world is just as shit.
1: People yeah.
2: nobody's happy. Like this, yeah. you know, everybody around the world is just divided. And yeah. having hockey back for me personally is like, you know, great. And I love that, you know, we get to cheer A our track on. A distraction I remember in the yeah. bubble when the bubble was going on. It was yeah. so much fun, man. Like yeah. I didn't even it didn't even feel like Corona was going on. And I know people were celebrating on the streets, and they shouldn't be doing that. But like
0: Scott seventy two.
2: Yeah, Scott seventy two was wild, but you know, yeah. like it was just fun to have the games back on, you know, and and watching yeah. Pedersen just, you know, just kill like just be a, the player that we expected him to be in the playoffs, and he took that challenge and and raised his game. And same was Hughes, and same was Horvat. You want to yeah. see that from your yeah. young players and it gives you hope you know
0: yeah i know you love watching you know other teams play as well and you know i think that's kind of you know exciting too right we <laughs> will be able to watch a lot of other content you know as much as we love vancouver i think that's the kind of the cool thing i know we we just had our sct um hockey pool draft yeah. the other day and you know i gotta admit tanbir stole a couple of the guys that i was eyeing right yeah. bastard tanbir right but uh, <laughs> what um, would you want uh, I, I liked your Minnesota guy. What's his name? Kaprazov. Ka- Kaprazov. I was I was I eyeing got him at him the up. bottom there. Yeah. I, I didn't think anybody was going to take him out. I was eyeing him up. I, I, thought, I, I thought he was going to fall to me, and then he snagged him just a few picks before my turn came up. Yeah, but, 133
2: uh, days of hockey straight coming up. That's awesome, 133 man. days of straight betting for the gambling. Uh, SET members, uh, Prav and uh, Joe Marino, Bertuzzi, That's Naslin. We'll absolutely. be uh, you know, messing in the group chat. Looking at parlays, you know, straight plays, Absolutely. line, everything. So, the Absolutely. gambling folks that are listening, you know, stay tuned because hockey night can on Saturday nights be a lot of parlays yeah. that day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, Hamanick deal also got official today, and you know, kind of what we were expecting. I, th- I think the rumors were about a little over a million, and then finalizing one year deal, one point two five fantastic deal I'm, I'm glad that we were able to add to that depth especially considering what we just kind of witnessed today with this covid scare it just re-emphasizes that point of we need depth right and then mm-hmm. and you know he's expected to play with hughes i mean i guess it kind of sucks that he missed out on the training camp but uh, at least you know it sounds like he's gonna step into the lineup tomorrow um and I, i'm looking forward to that i'm looking forward to watching him play um uh, there's a lot of internal um, hope that he's going to be able to kind of come close to what Tana, you know, gave production wise, maybe 90%, maybe 95% it sounds like. And and if they can get that on a one-year deal for 1.25 million, that's got to be one of Jimbo's best signings he's ever made. I mean, legit.
2: Well, it's just, you know, it's a, it's a weird year, man. COVID has... You know, the salary cap's flat and players have, all around the league have had to take less. And that's why Jimbo's obviously winning on one of these deals right here on free agency. Like, he needed not. a global pandemic to hit his best deal. So, yes. you know, I'm just joking <laughs> around Jimbo. Uh, Jimbo done a, in my opinion, has done a great job uh, the last few years. And I'm not going to run away. From, I, I think, Sa, I mean, uh, Nam, we're going to have yeah. sat on later. I yeah. think, yeah. Nam, you could agree that, you know, Jimbo, ever since maybe that Tanner Pearson deal – and you could yeah, yeah. You know, debate about the Tyler Myers contract all you want. Yeah. Jimbo's done a pretty decent job with the team, and you know, the team's taken steps forward. So, you know, I actually like that uh, what Jimbo's done ever since that Tanner Pearson uh, trade was good. He, I know he was getting rid of his own mistake in Branson, But, you know, I think he's done a pretty good job ever since that, and I'm not going to take that away from him. But, yeah, a global pandemic uh, took a global pandemic for, uh, for uh, Jimbo to do his best free agent signing. Yeah. <laughs> do we have I mean, Sat
0: on? Do,
2: is that Sat? Yo. What's up, Sat? Hey, Sat. What up, boys? What's happening? Nothing, Hello. just, you know, big just news coming out of Vancouver today.
0: <laughs> excited, <laughs> excited for the season, I, but a little kick in the nuts, too, with this JT Miller news. Um, yeah, man. What are you hearing in terms of how long could this be? Um, what do you know?
3: Well, I, it's it's pretty much guesswork at this point because we still have to wait to see what the results are for these players going back, right? And what is clear is that one player who could wear number eight and play defense for the Canucks <laughs> may have had a false positive and then had a negative and then another positive. And the belief might be that it is a false positive again because he tested negative again. But... My guess is because the two negative, because of the two false positives or the two, however you want to view it for this defenseman, that he will now be deemed essentially, you know, being out for two weeks or at least 10 days. We know that Jordy Ben lives with JT Miller. So because JT Miller is a close contact to uh, Jordy Ben, he has to test negative for three consecutive days, I believe, in order to get clearance. So, if, the li- if everything falls into line, potentially by tomorrow or Thursday, depending on how these tests go, and I can't say for sure. I have an idea, but I can't say for sure. If it's Wednesday that he's cleared, which is tomorrow, or Thursday, if he needs to test positive, negative by Thursday as well. In theory, had the Canucks started at home, there would have been a pathway that he might have played on Thursday. But because of the COVID protocols, he can't get on a plane, even if it's a private charter without having to go through a one-week protocol so even if JT Miller doesn't have COVID he can't really join the team until they come back against Montreal so if he tests negative the next couple days which hopefully he does he still won't be able to join the team on the road unless the NHL clarifies something but our understanding is that he won't be able to join the team on the road but he could be back next Wednesday home opener against the Habs.
0: Wow. That's really interesting. I mean, think about timing of any of these scares just before a long road trip. Like that could be pretty crucial. You could be out for like six games, you know, with a a, a similar scare as we're seeing right here. I mean, it sounds to me based on sideway, you know, best case scenario here that you're saying might just be four days. Um, a four games, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Best case, four games. Um, which again still sucks because I mean Miller, you know, probably the second best player uh, up front at least mm-hmm. for the Canucks, and and those are four you know important games to start the season. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. hey, hey, sad. Um, there's a listener uh, question here. Uh, I tweeted it out. And I'm sure you saw it. Uh, did uh, did you have to agree to uh to let me ask a limited, limited amount of Jake questions uh, before you came on today, or
3: <laughs> no man, I'm not censoring uh, my appearance really. No, no, no censoring of Tan on his own podcast.
2: Yeah, um, uh, was, that question is actually from uh, Todd's 1944. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, this is a big opportunity for Jake, and you know, it's hard not to ask this question. You saw him skating with the top line with Pedersen and Besser and. Everybody thinks that uh, Besser was taking shots at him earlier about the how, about the mm-hmm. defensive game. Like, do you like? What do you? What are your thoughts on the opportunity Jake has to? You know, Earth uh, has been saying he's wanting to prove people wrong this off yeah. this off season. So, what what do you? What are your thoughts on that?
3: Well, I, he, and you know, I believe everything Earth has said. That Jake is serious about this season. He worked hard this off season. He wants to prove everybody that he is good. Show it. Just show it, right? Just just show it. That's where I'm at with Jake, right? And if we go by history, it tells you that Jake is a very good middle six player. He's a guy that can move up and down your lineup. He has clear utility, right? I mean, he's a guy that you clearly can use on your team. He gives you benefits. The question is, can he think the game well enough offensively to be a consistent top six player and play with guys like Pedersen and Besser consistently? And he hasn't shown that yet, right? So... That's what he's going to have to do. And if he can hang in the top six more consistently, then there's no reason why Jake wouldn't score at over 20 goal pace, right? There's no reason why he wouldn't playing in that role. The question is, can he play well enough and make his line mates better too? And until Travis believes that, I don't know. I'm not sure we're going to see Jake in that position, but he's going to get a chance to show it this year, right? I mean, as we see already, Miller is out it seems like at least four games, perhaps more, hopefully only four at this case. So if he's out for four games, they're going to have to use Jake in the top six. He, there was no preseason games. He didn't really get that chance in a scrimmage, but here's the opportunity. You can't have a successful season in four games, but you can set yourself up for a successful season in these four games. And Tambir, he's getting the best opportunity he can ask for. Not the circumstances anybody wants, but here's the opportunity. Do something with it. And when JT Miller comes back, Maybe, just maybe, it's a difficult decision about where to put Jake next. Well, if Jake could
2: push, you know, let's say he does play well. And, you know, it's a, he should be able to play well with Pedersen and, and Besser because we've seen him do it last year when they went on that 7-game win streak. But that was with JT. If he does play well, mm-hmm. you know, that pushes maybe a Tanner Pearson down to the third line. And then maybe you could have JT with Bo and Hoaglander or something like that. Like... That wouldn't be a bad second line if, if Hoaglander is legit as well. Because we don't know how long his stint is going to be. Actually, a, a question came on Twitter as well. Abu was asking, how long do you think Holglander's stint is going to be here in the NHL?
3: I'd say, I mean, I, I hope it's all season. But here's the thing, right? Like, I have a lot of faith in Niels Hoaglander. I've watched his games in the SHL. I've, I've seen him at practice a few times. I've seen him at the scrimmages. There's a lot to like about him. Mm-hmm. But nobody really knows until we see him against NHL competition, until we see him in a real game setting. He's going to have to show that for us to really get an idea of you know, what he's going to do. I can tell you this. Based on everything I've seen, the kid's going to be an NHL player. Like He will be an NHL player. The only question is, is it going to be this year, or is it still a year away before he can do so consistently? Mm-hmm. But he's going to get the opportunity. And there's a lot to like about how he's going to fit with Horvat and with Pearson, right? In theory, he's the playmaking winger who goes to the dirty areas as well, has a good shot, has creativity, and adding a player with creativity to Bo and Pearson is exactly what that line needs in theory. Bo's a really good player, but he's a north-south player, right? He's really Mm -hmm. good down low, but he's not exactly this creative juggernaut. He's a really good stick handler. We've seen him dangle, guys. He's really good at one-on-one moves. There's a lot to like about Bo, but he's not this playmaking distributor that makes his wings far better and puts him in these great positions to score all the time, which means if you add a playmaking element to that line, because Pearson's is also kind of straight ahead. He's more of a guy that plays along the boards, right? Like he has a good shot, but he is also a pretty basic player in that sense, which isn't a slight. It's just how their games are built. That's why I really like the idea of Hoglander being there. And if he can get some confidence early, there's a chance he can stay there all season. But from what I can gather, He's essentially on a tryout now. Now his tryout has begun. He has earned the opportunity to try out in a regular season. That's what Niels Hoglander, that's where he's at right now. So he's going to get the chance. I have a lot of faith in him. I'm not sure he's going to pull it off for the whole season, but it lines up for him well to take advantage of this opportunity.
2: Uh, Bondi, Nick Bondi on Twitter is also asking, uh, how much money should he put down on Hoglander to win the Calder? (laughs) (laughs) We don't even know what the odds are, but uh, you know, I wouldn't put more than $50 down on, on Nils just because you don't know, you know where he's going to be. Like, you know, the uncertainty is just, you, know, you, don't, you never know with these young guys.
0: That's such yeah. a Vancouver question, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> such a Canucks fan type of question. Like, oh, I'm going to get another Calder Trophy finalist here. How
2: do you not think that after what happened the last three years, right? How do you not think maybe we have another Calder finalist?
3: been spoiled a bit, right? I mean, it's three years in a row, right? I mean, and that's uh, the thing we have to wrap our heads around is that not every good prospect is going to be a great prospect and not every good prospect is going to emerge as quickly as we've seen that the last three rookies emerge. Right. So that's the big thing, but Hoglander, he has similar traits to those Canucks rookies, right? Very serious works on his game. Incredibly well in the off season is driven, has confidence, a high level of skill, So there's a lot of overlap between some of the characteristics all these players have, but of course, Pedersen and Hughes are next. I mean, we saw how good Brock was, and then Pedersen came, and it's like, wow, whoa, I mean, you know, that guy was good, but look at this kid. And then Hughes comes, and it's like, he's not besting Pedersen. It's like, wow, this can happen twice in a row, and he's a defenseman. Like, what is going on, right? Yeah, we we don't have the same sense with Hoglander, but a lot to like about him. He's gonna get an opportunity here, and. And hopefully it does. And then, yeah, maybe not a bad long shot bet, but yeah, I wouldn't bet more. It all okay. It all depends on your financial situation when you're
2: betting. <laughs> yes. I like would Andrew say, Walker would bet his health.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> and Andrew with how he lives, I mean, to him, it's like a thousand bucks is nothing. Let's just make the bet. I mean, it's just stupid with him, right? Yeah. But I'd say, yeah, like you know throw 50 bucks maybe if that's, yeah. if that's in your range if that's an okay bet for you or 20 bucks or whatever but i would exceed that i mean mm-hmm. there's gonna be a lot of good rookies this season and as good as hoglander is it's unlikely he wins the calder
0: so i'm asking about another prospect that uh, i'm personally really hyped about jack Rathbone. Mm-hmm. what what did you see um you know i know it was just camp but what are you thinking what do you what do you, you think about his potential moving forward um, it sounds like he's going to start the year on the taxi squad for now. At yeah. least that's what uh, what, I, what I heard online, but go ahead.
3: Yeah, that kind of, that's kind of what it looks like, right? Um, we'll see ultimately how the season shakes out. But man, I like Jack Rathbone a lot. Like, yeah, uh, you know, we haven't seen him play five on five a ton outside of the scrimmages. And with young defensemen, that's what you really need to see is seeing them in live game settings to get a good grasp of how they play the system, how they understand the positional play, right? how to read off your defenseman and playing NHL caliber uh, forwards and even defenseman will pinch in. You have to have a good level of confidence and understanding. And it's hard to replicate that in scrimmage as much as it is still that same game setting. But to be seen how we understand systems well and consistently in the NHL. But skating... Puck moving, shooting, how he thinks the game offensively, how he joins the rush, how good his breakout passes are. And and I mean, this is a guy that can stretch passes are part of his repertoire. You're going to see a lot of stretch passes from this kid when he's in the NHL. And when he's in the offensive zone, the times I did see him in the scrimmage when he was on the ice with, say, Patterson and Miller and Besser, those guys. He has the intellect and confidence to join in with those guys in the offensive zone. You know what I mean? To, to do creative things. You see him read the guys. He's not just standing at the point waiting to you know keep the puck in or whatever and be very conservative. Like he's eager to jump in and do stuff. And usually guys that do that show a lot of confidence and high caliber. So I'm really high on Jack Rathbone. I can't wait to see him in the NHL. And I do think by virtue of what you're seeing, a couple of things. One is cap-related. By having him around, it, it saves you some money. And you still have to, you know, get to the cab to go to LTIR, and having Rathbone around has some value in that regard. The other regard of the other point of it too is, they like this kid a lot, and ultimately he might find his way to Utica, depending on how the season goes here and you know when the AHL season starts, because it needs to play. He's young; he can't just sit there and you know skate around with five other guys on a taxi squad all season. So they have that's what they have to decide. He might end up going there, but if he gets a chance to play and plays well, he's a guy that could stick. Like I I like Jack about Rathbone a lot. We're going to see him play at some point this season, I believe. Um, Obviously not right away, but that's a guy you should definitely be excited about.
2: How has uh, your levy looked? And I've heard a lot of, uh, you know, like good things about him, but you know, our expectations are already so low on him because of the injury history that he's gone through. And, you know, you know, he's still a fifth overall pick and, you know, he shows that he could break the puck out nice. His skating was yeah. an issue last year. People said Jimbo's been really high on him. He's thinking that his skating has improved. Um, and he's going to be killing penalties this year, it looks like. And, and I heard that he blocked a lot of shots in Utica last year. Like, wh- what do you think that Olio Levy has done so far in training camp? And what, do you, what, are, what are your expectations going into this season?
3: Uh, I'm expecting him to be steady and hopefully stay healthy, right? and. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what's really worked out well for Yulevi is, I listen, I, okay, let me rephrase this. The pandemic hasn't helped anybody, but the time off has benefited Yulevi in terms of he's been able to catch his breath, work on his body, get into shape, stay healthy, and not a lot of wear and tear, right? Like Ever since the season ended back in March, you're talking about the past 10 months, the kids played six minutes. Which actually is not, the, not a bad thing for him. His body's really healed up. And what, what really stood out from the times I was at camp, training camp, uh, you know, this past week here, his skating is a lot better. And we showed it last year as well. I mean, this past summer, he showed it as well. But his skating has really improved. I can buy into the notion that him having this time off and working on his body, being in good shape, gaining confidence, moving well, that he can stay healthy. And if he stays healthy, this is a kid who will be an NHL player for a while. The question is, can he be a top four defenseman? Can he anchor a second pair? Can he be that stay-at-home defenseman that plays top four minutes? That's what we're going to find out this season. Or is he just going to be a guy that's on your third pair, that play gives you safe minutes? Either way, the outlook for Ulevi has changed dramatically from where it was a year ago or 18 months ago when it really seemed unlikely he was going to be able to turn that quarter considering how many injuries he's had and how much that was holding him back in terms of his skating and his development.
2: Uh, we got one last question from uh, Twitter. Uh, what are your expectations for, uh, from, uh, for uh, Adam Gaudet coming up to students? Uh, uh, this question from Primetime Snoop. We all know him. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> what are your expectations for uh, Hockey God? Because uh, – you know, I thought he took. He was pretty good in the regular season, but in the playoffs, obviously, uh, there were, the protection wasn't there. But I felt like I, I didn't think he was terrible.
3: No, I mean, you know, it, it was a it was a learning experience for him, right? I mean, again, it goes back to the conversation we we had about the best young players on this team. We've seen Horvat be really good pretty quickly, and then you know, Besser, Patterson, Hughes, and and stuff like that. Godette's always been a guy who's been on a slower developmental curve. We saw him develop and mature a lot later, and we saw that through his college years as well. So he's always a guy that's been a bit behind in terms of where his age is and how his game has developed, which isn't a bad thing, because usually guys his age usually peak, and you're like, okay, he's he is what he is at this point. With Godette, there is still room for him to grow still. I don't look at his age and say he's peaked already as a player. There's more there to it. And what's fascinating about it is what he talked about this this training camp, he had some abdominal issues, some intestinal issues, I should say, that prevented him from having much of an appetite and eating, which prevented him from putting on a lot of weight. He did seem a bit quicker. He did seem a bit stronger from what I saw, and he did show a bit more edge. We saw him and Pedersen get after it quite a bit, where they, you know they didn't even start fighting, but hey, they got after quite a bit in battle drills, and we all saw Maud and Godet drop the gloves as well. Godet played with a bit of an edge. If Godet can can gain more confidence and be confident based on him being a bit quicker, maybe being a bit stronger. We know he has something off as a skill, win some draws, be better defensively. There's a pathway for Godet to at least emerge as a reliable third line player for the team this season. I really hope that happens because if he is an answer for your third line, especially in the in in the near term and potentially long term, guys, it answers so many things for this team. And it's I really huge. hope the year for him.
2: And then uh, the goaltending situation is also uh, very interesting here. Uh, you know, Braden Holtby's probably going to get started because he's a veteran guy and, and it's a back to back. So, you know, Demko's going to get the start on Thursday. Um, I heard Braden Holtby's look really, really good in uh, practice. Uh, I know it's, it's just practice scrimmages and you can't really go by by that that, by, that much. But uh, what are your thoughts on Braden Holtby and how he's looked so far in, uh, in practice?
3: Uh I'd say, I mean, I, I, I kind of agree with that assessment from what I've seen. I mean, if one scrimmage neither goalie, the first scrimmage neither goalie really made a lot of saves. I mean, they both combined to allow nine goals uh in the three periods they played. But Hopi looked really good in the second scrimmage. And in practice, and you know, through some drills, he's looked quick. He looks athletic, it looks agile, and he's been working on staying compact and and not having, you know, holes through him, which we saw especially that last year in Washington. I have a lot of faith in Braden Hopi and Ian Clark as a, as a partnership and I'm high on Demko and I hope Demko has success and he's definitely on the way, but if the season goes the way I think it's going to go, Hopie should be the number one goalie and probably play about 60% of the games. Hope, you know, Demko gets 40%, which is a decent split. You still get Demko lots of games, but Hopi is on that trajectory. I think where he has a bit of a bounce back season becomes the, you know, number one guy here pretty clearly as much as Demko still be pretty decent. I think, And I'm expecting him to have a good season. From what I've seen, I like what I've seen so far in training camp and we'll see in the regular season. But a lot of reason to believe that Ian Clark will work his magic with Hopi. And it might be a bit uneasy early. It might be some ups and downs. You always see that with goalies in a new system and playing with a new team and even with new goalie coaches. You know, things might go against you. Then you gotta struggle with confidence for a few days until the muscle memory kicks in. So there could be a bit of a adjustment period for Holby, but he has been here for a while and has been working with Clark and with Demko to get his game right. So I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty bullish on the goaltending in Vancouver, even if it's not going to be as good as it was last year because that's how good Markstrom was. And I've said this before; I'll say it again. Jacob Markstrom had a career year and he was so good last year. He may never be as good as he was last season. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, we, we may not even mm-hmm. expect, you know, I'm not really expecting Holpe or Demko to be as good as Markstrom was last year. He was spectacular, right? So that's a high bar regardless to try to match. But I do think there is a pathway for the goaltending. Cause oh, let's not forget Demko last year, outside of the end, he struggled as a backup. He had a lot of bad games last year as a backup too. It took him a while before mm-hmm. he gained confidence and got better. So you're going to have Demko without having the confidence issues. Hopefully, without having the adjustment period, and having hopefully, I, I do think overall the goaltending could at least approximate where they were last year.
2: Um, sad. I actually, I think the stats last year between Markstrom and Demko, I think their save percentage was under nine ten uh, together. So Demko obviously didn't you know do as well as Marky did. I think their combined save percentage was under nine ten. I don't know if I'm. I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere. Um, yeah, it was nine o five
3: last year. Demko was nine o five, right? Yeah. And March was nine eighteen, and that's even that. That's all you know, all across the board save percentage, and yeah, I mean. For 27 games, nine that's below league average. So Demko yeah. last year, overall, even though he showed flashes and he showed really well towards the end, especially once he got over the hiccups, you know, when Markstrom went down, he showed well. And we saw how spectacular he was against Vegas. But he's probably going to give you more value in the games he plays and he did than he did last season.
2: Yeah, I believe that this goaltending tandem has a, has a chance to be maybe the best in the division. Like, it has the potential to be, I'm not saying it's going to be because Kerry Price is obviously and Hellebuck is uh, unreal, but mm-hmm. I just think that it has the potential to be the best tandem in the division. I don't know if you agree.
3: <laughs> well, it, it has potential, right? I mean, yeah. I, I don't think we can dispute that at all. I mean, Kerry Price and Jake Allen could be a good combo too because you know Price is going to play a lot of games and Jake mm-hmm. Allen, if he plays 25% of the games, for instance, he's more than more than adequate in that sense. But Vancouver certainly has the potential to have the best tandem. I do think the Riddick-Markstrom one is actually a pretty good tandem. As much as Riddick got criticized, if he stops being the starter and he's a backup, he's a pretty good backup, right? Mm -hmm. And Markstrom, we know, is spectacular. Sometimes I do think we kind of lose sight of that. We're like, oh, yeah, well, Markstrom is the number one guy. It's like, well, Riddick might not be an elite goalie, and he might not be a good starting goalie. But if he becomes your Mm -hmm. backup, all of a sudden, that's not too bad. But I'm with you, Tambier. The potential is certainly there for the Canucks to have the best tandem.
0: Any thoughts on Travis Hamanick, who officially signed his one-year, $1.25 million deal today?
3: Yeah, hopefully he's the player we saw two years ago and not last year, right? And if he still is, if he can be close to what he was two years ago, then all of a sudden, well, you got a bona fide NHL defenseman on your hand. Then you have a guy that, if he's not a top four defenseman, he is more than adequate to be you know, a top six defenseman and play on pretty much any NHL team. If he goes back to being that, that means he'll be more than fine playing next to a guy like Quinn Hughes. Chris Tanner from a leadership aspect and playing in his own zone aspect and all that sort of stuff was great for the team. On ice value overall though, they didn't really have a great year. Let's be honest, right? I mean, he was healthy in the regular season, but he also got hurt towards the end of the regular season and had played not stop. he would have missed the rest of the regular season. So even in a year... Tan Tanev stayed healthy, if they had played the all 82 games, he still wouldn't have played 70 games last year. He still would have been under 70 games, right? I mean, it's the same story with him. He, he gets hurt all the time as well. But I think Hamanick, if could at least give you maybe 70% of what Tanev was last year, 75% of what Tanev was last year. And if you bake in that Hughes is a bit better, then that pairing overall should be a wash. At the very least, if Hamanek hasn't fallen off a cliff, the pairing of Hamannick and Hughes this year should give you the same value of what you saw with Tanev and Hughes last year at, for a baseline, potentially more, as long as Hamnick is okay. So I do like the signing, especially in a one-year deal. What do you have to lose? And the Canucks needed that. They needed another veteran defenseman because as much as Jordy Ben has been okay in the past, I don't think Travis trusts him. And as much as I like a guy like Jack Rathbone... I'm not sure he's ready to play a big high leverage spot yet for this team. He has potential and needs some time still. So adding Hamnix to the mix was, was pretty significant considering where this team's at.
0: If that pairing's a wash, you'd have to imagine then our D is upgraded, right? With Nate oh, Chubit yeah. coming in. Yeah. So that, that would, would be fantastic. Question. Yeah.
2: That'd be great. Uh, Sat, thank you for, uh, you know, joining us. Uh, I know it's pretty last minute here, but, uh, no it was worries. nice to have you on. I can't, I can't uh, let you go without congratulating you uh, for the Cleveland Browns. You know, beating the Steelers. Yes. Yes. That was awesome to see. It, 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 was it like 22 years since you won a playoff game?
3: 25 years, 95 was the last time. Whoa! So oh, wow. we're but who's 20- counting? Yeah, I mean, nobody's counting here, right? I mean, so it's only been 25 years since they won a playoff game. Life.
2: That's my lifespan. That's that, dude. I'm, I'm, telling born, in, you, I'm man. born in 94. I'm born in 94. <laughs> Good God. Of September. <laughs> I mean, it's so, so
3: ridiculous, right? I mean, and yeah. they've only been in the playoffs since they came back to Cleveland one time before, and that was t- 2000. I mean, we're, we're talking about a team that has gone through a lot, everything. right? It's gone through everything. So it's, uh, it's, it's been rough. But yeah, thank you. I was very happy on Sunday. And even though the Chiefs are a tough matchup, I'm just so happy I have another playoff game to watch.
2: We're I are you for the living crap out them. I hope you beat the living crap out of them. Uh, I hope you guys run the ball down their throats yes. and just and, and you know just you know upset them because I, I don't want to see Kansas City win. I don't know who wants to see them win other than a Kansas City fan, but I do not want to see them win. So anybody but Kansas City. But I'm cheering for your Browns. Um, I actually have a brother-in-law who's a Bills fan, and he he called me. like 25 years since they've won. Him. I think I think it's around the same time that they won a playoff game, and he yeah. was just happy and i couldn't imagine how you feel it's like i don't know how, how you even did that like that's unreal and dan yeah. ricci would be pushing his team right so.
3: <laughs> he'd probably be on his <laughs> fourth team by now
2: <laughs> exactly uh thank you sat for coming on uh, thanks i from- really appreciate it
3: hey thanks boys thanks for inviting me anytime it was a lot of fun have a good sat one shot, six,
0: sports that 650 shot saw i mean he honestly he is no joke my favorite guy my favorite Canucks personality
1: um mm-hmm.
0: he's 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 great like i'm we're very lucky man like in this market like yeah. we've got some great personalities um and and it's awesome you know i i from, again from the bottom of my heart that someone like Shat, sat you know willing to come on keeps, to, it real, you know, keeps, keeps it real man keeps it real he's even willing to come on to you know like a pod like ours where we you know yeah. we're just doing this for fun
1: and, yeah. and it's just it's
0: it's passion, you know, and and I, a lot of appreciation, a lot of respect. You can tell
2: I'm, that he's super passionate awesome. about what he does on the radio. Yeah. Like every time he's on, like
0: he brings it all the time, and genuinely you know, happy for him over the weekend, man. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, we're, we're us Canucks fans. You know, at least you know we've had some wins. I mean, imagine sad. Like, you know, I'm pretty sure he's a Canucks fan too, right? and, and yeah, on yeah. top of that, too, being a Browns fan, like. Genuinely oh, no. happy for him, happy that it's been two good weekends where you know, first making the playoffs was like huge relief for him. And then last, uh, last uh, week, despite that COVID scare, right? I mean, Ooh. just imagine like your, your head coach, you know, ha- not able to, you know, attend. Um, that's awesome. Great for them. Uh, I'm sure there were some tense moments as Pittsburgh was coming back, right? I didn't because think they were going to they- win.
2: I really like before the game started. I'm like, no way is that I, I didn't think Cleveland was gonna win just because they didn't have their coach and stuff. It was yeah. just they were put in a tough situation.
1: Yeah. But
2: uh, I don't, Pittsburgh's first snap yeah. goes over Big Big Ben's uh, head. I'm just like, wow. Yeah. Like, I guess in that moment you can't say the Browns yeah. are gonna win, but it's a good start. So, so it's real.
0: We I were gonna know. get into this, but like we'll save it for other day in terms of, you know, kind of, um, what were you arguing about on the group earlier? Mistakes. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that another day. Let's, let, let's talk about that right no, now. No, I, let's I, let's I, talk about right. predictions.
2: Right, How? how um, uh, predictions. We, we've already done predictions, man. We've already talked about we've we talked about the Canadian division like for weeks.
0: We've had such a good episode, man. It's been so mellow. Like, like this is <laughs> let, let mellow tan beer chill for one day. We'll bring up no, we'll man. I want we'll bring I, up I fiery, talk. feisty, feisty tan beer out I'll keep it real, man. You know me. I will
2: keep it real. You know, I keep it real. How long are we into the episode, Ryan? Well, I think we're we're, we're, we're at 39 minutes. Thirty nine minutes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, we could cut that Browns part out, can't we?
1: No, we, we can keep it. It's fine.
0: <laughs> we can keep it. Like okay. that, that was a nice part. Yeah. But okay, no, go go on. Okay, so let, let's, let's 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 We'll keep it quick. Okay. We'll keep it quick. Okay, we'll, we'll we'll keep it quick just to at least get your take we can go we can go into a deeper debate on this on another show
2: but yeah, we the point
0: can. the point that uh, we were discussing offline was that you are saying that we should not judge this judge our current situation based on past mistakes was that your point
2: that wasn't necessarily my point my point
0: like i've already hey, like for and this, me, just just for the listeners how did this come up this came up because we talked about how um, you know, essentially Toffoli, right? We're talking about Toffoli. We're talking about the contract. We're talking about you know the inability for us to be able to you know add a guy like be Toffoli, be better, right? And 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 what was preventing us from being better this year? What really really constrained us from being better this year was was the cap space, right? And, and my argument was,
2: <clears> and my argument was, I think we've gotten better. And now you could you could look at the foley situation and be like, we should have brought back Foley and bringing back him would have made our forward group better. And if we didn't have guys like Beagle, Louie and those guys signed we probably should have brought back Foley Right. Yep. Yeah. And Furlan, I guess the situation is the same, but like LTIR but
0: sort of, sort of helps still, us out
2: in the situation. Still, and it's an unnecessary contract.
0: It's an unnecessary contract. So, uh, for sure. and, and
2: yeah, uh, let me just explain. Go, 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 go. Those, those, mistakes that have been made there are a reason why we can't bring back to Foley I agree on that but I still feel like Jimbo under the circumstances that he was under still improved the team adding Nate Schmidt on a bargain trade which was a great trade because Angel became available for Vegas and we got him for a steal like Nate Schmidt does pass. not cost. yeah great great trade for Nate Schmidt and now we're able to add a guy like Hamiltonix to the decor who I, I still believe isn't he's got value a, uh, isn't an upgrade over a stetcher, but he's he's got value you know he's been in the league you mm-hmm. can kill penalties and stuff like that i feel like we've improved the team and you feel and i'm guessing you feel like we could have improved it even more that's exactly if, it. and that's, that's exactly how, and, it, it. and i guess you know uh, you and and Sagu we call them NAMSA in the group because <laughs> they both have the same opinions on Sorry. everything. <laughs> but um, like, what, I know what you guys are trying to say. You guys are saying that we should have a higher expectation. The bar, uh, should, be be, the bar yeah. should be higher. The bar should be higher because EP and Hughes are on the ELC contract, and we should be a cup contender right now. I look yes. at it as taking a step each year. That's how me, and I'm guessing this is how uh, Bertuzzi, and Joe Marino, Joe as well, yeah. me and him yeah. think the same. Uh, I don't know if you want combine. You guys
0: are, about, you guys are like Joe, Joe, Joe Bier. <laughs> you, you guys are Joe Beer. You guys, you guys are a little bit more on the patient side. So here is the thing, though. I'll tell you one thing, and I want to. No, I not patient. Start by... I want to take steps each year, like Travis Green has said. It. Okay. We want
2: to be better every season, and that's my expectation as a fan as well, because that's what the team is telling me. The okay, team is enough. telling me we want to get better each year, and if they're gonna take a step this year, I think they improved their team this year. Then I, that if I believe that I'm gonna go with it, but you know the season still has to play out. Like enough, the Canucks have missed the playoffs, and my expectations, you know, I could be pissed off. Yeah. You know, like if they miss the playoffs, I'll be angry as fuck. Rightfully, Rightfully so, yeah. Rightfully so, so. I
0: mean, so I'll, I'll tell yeah. you one thing. Like, and I want to, I want to start off before I go, you know, on this tangent here by saying. Like, do I think they're a better team? Yes, I think they're a better team. I'm happy. I'm super excited for the regular season. I'm super excited to see hockey's back. And I think we can Mm -hmm. definitely be a a good team. Now, just because I think we can be a good team and and I think we will have fun, it doesn't mean that the mistakes didn't happen, right? Like, Mm -hmm. could we be better? Hell yeah. I mean, even, even today, there was a survey done about, but we can't you know, undo those mistakes, man. Of course, boy, let me just make a point. Let me just make a point. Today, there's a survey done about you know, elite talent around the NHL. And, and the Vancouver Canucks were top five. Top five among elite talent. Like, when you're top five among elite talent, you should be a freaking top five team. That should be the expectations. That should be the bar. Now, I understand that you know, we made mistakes in the past. But I think it's a fair point to say that if we didn't make these stupid, idiotic, short-term, narrow-minded mistakes you know, in the past, there's nothing stopping us from being like a Pittsburgh-type, a Chicago-type team, which aren't we all looking for that? And that's, no, my that. that's my point. I that's my that. point. That's my point. And there's nothing saying that in year two of their contracts or you know, in, in year two of this so-called cycle of our you know, rebuild, uh, contendership type of whatever you want to call it. There's nothing saying that we couldn't have been contenders this year, and that's a valid there's, point. There's still there's still a potential of that, and there's still a potential. But then guess what? That potential is achieved on essentially a fifty or sixty million dollar team. Why? Because you pissed away twenty, thirty million dollars of valuable resources and in an, a time. And I get it. You know, nobody knew about but COVID now, and all those, that stuff. But a time contracts that contracts. Could have been amazing for us. Like we talk about depth, right? I mean, I know you're shitting your pants. I'm shitting my pants with this Miller. Thank God. Hopefully, it's only four games. That was a relief. Honestly, God, what Sat said here—that it might only be four games—I
1: felt like, oh
0: man, I felt like you know what? We could probably just we could probably survive four games, right? I mean, yeah. In, in the NHL, short term, you can survive such you know such issues, right? But mm-hmm. with that said. Like, we don't have the depth to lose our top-end elite guys. And that's my whole point. Like, I'm sorry, but, like, I know there were takes on Twitter or, or on Canucks, Canucks Nation, which was all like, oh, guys, don't worry about Tavoli because we got Hollander. No. Dude, Fuck. who's saying both. that? Who's saying I that? Both. I want both.
2: No, no, you know, obviously, you know yeah. I want mean,
0: no. You know who said that.
2: You know who said that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, first off, yeah, I'd love to have both. That's what the goal should be. But... Like, because you've already made those past mistakes, what Jimbo did, I felt was the right move. Like, I think he brought in, I I think he kept the team younger because he knows that he has these contracts on his books that aren't going to be here longer than three years. I think the longest one is Furlins, and that's three years. Uh, You could argue about the Tyler Myers contract all day, if we all night, if we could, but we're not going to debate that contract. I'm talking about Beagle, Louis, Roussel. Right? Tampa, what, options did,
0: what options did Jimbo have, though? Honestly, like, look at the lineup, man. They well, literally got, he, they literally he, got no cap space. Well, are an out guy.
2: He technically kept Jake for and over Tyler Toffoli. And I've always said that was the right move because you're getting Jake for cheaper and you, get a, you have him as an RFA, right? Where with Toffoli, you sign him to a four or five-year deal, whatever he got. Was it four years? Right?
0: Got you're four, stuck with him for four, four years. Time, no, and four he, times four.
2: Okay, four times four, and you're going to be stuck yes. with him for four years, and you don't know what kind of uh, what he's going to produce. Was Jake? You have two years, two years of him. You also don't know what he's going to
0: produce. We don't know I mean, what he's as of do. right now. He's an Tifo-
2: Tifo- RFA too, and he's cheaper. He's two million dollars cheaper, right? As so, of right
0: now, Tafoli's better than Jake. Not to say that Jake can't improve, right? Not to say Toffoli yeah, yeah. can't regress. I think,
2: it, I think they took the long term bet because it knows that they have Pedersen and Hughes. And they have to surround them with talent in the future, right? And with Toffoli, yeah, you could bring him back. But in those four years, like, when you sign him for those four years, are you going to get the best out of Pedersen and Hughes by what year? By year three or year four? Like, their primes are still approaching, right? Whereas Mm -hmm. Jake is younger, where he could grow with the core. Like, I feel like Ole Olevi, ever since he's come in, Mm -hmm. uh, in the bubble, he's he's gelled well with Pedersen and Hughes. Like they've been on the ice at the end of the practices, practicing together. You saw a uh, Pedersen watch the Finland-Sweden game with him, and as uh, uh, he posted on Instagram story that like you could tell, you'll levy, you know, you know what though, Tambir, young court, right?
0: But Tambe, your logic doesn't make sense. Why'd they trade for Miller then? Miller's a guy who's already, I believe, he's 27 right now. Well, they're doing he's free well, agent in three years.
2: Well, they're setting it up as in, like, yeah, we have both still right? And Bo is closer to Miller's age than he is to Petey's, I'm pretty sure. I think yeah, the, what it's... they're trying to do is trying to get the best years out of Bo by bringing a Miller in, you know? But also making sure that they have enough pieces around Pedersen and Hughes when they're ready to take off. And that's why you have a Hoaglander. That's why you have you know, maybe and who's close and Brock Besser. Like those guys are, are and that they're more closer to Petey's age, whereas Miller, Pearson, um, Bo are around the same age and they sort of gel together. And that's why they bought in Nate Schmidt. That's what I think. I think Jimbo has always had a plan going in. And yeah, Pedersen and Hughes fell into his lap. But I think ever since they brought in Pedersen, they've had a, had a plan. And, you know, having Hughes fall in their lap was even better. Because if those two don't fall in their lap, like, Jimbo's gone two years ago. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Jim,
0: I mean, no doubt about that. PD and Hughes have saved Jimbo's job. Yeah, uh, I mean, again, like... I I'm I'm really excited about our future, right? Like even hearing Sat talk about Rathbone, like that got me giddy, man. I mean, like that's exciting, exciting times. Hmm. Hoglander's is going to be a player. We didn't even talk about Potty, right? But it all sounds like Coles is going to be making his way over here at the end of April, and and we so got you know, some young talent. We got some there, good yeah. good talent, and we're very fortunate. And I'll tell you right now, I still remember a time where forget having three prospects. If you had one frickin' Hoglander in the system, you know, you were yeah. super stoked, right? So, you know, this is good times. It's exciting times. The draft has been, you know, really good for us. And, and I know that there's brighter days ahead, but that still Ryan, doesn't mean that we potentially booted a good yeah. opportunity here.
2: Hey, Ryan, what are your thoughts on this? And you said you were going to talk more this pod and you still haven't <laughs> talked at all. So okay. yeah, what the hell, like, Ryan? Cool. Relax. What are your thoughts relax, on relax, this? Guys. Like, relax. like what Jimbo did this off season? Was it the right move?
1: Was it the right move in what? Not signing Tyler Toffoli? Like the way he's building the, the team for the long term. The future. way he's well, I mean that was the topic like, we're
0: talking. We're talking about not signing Tyler Toffoli.
2: Yeah, you're saying has team the team improved? Way. Has the team improved this year?
1: I think okay, the team overall probably has improved, but I don't think they've improved by much. I think there's still maybe a slight improvement because you did lose big name players in terms of Markstrom one. And I get it. Sad said Markstrom probably won't be that good ever again. Probably not. But Mm -hmm. you still didn't necessarily replace To Foley. There was that little blurb that uh, Darren Dreger said that, you know, he's going to, Jim Benning wants to add another top six forward. You had one. You had one. And you just didn't offer him anything. And then he waited, he waited, he waited. And he said, okay, cool. I guess I'm not going to get anything. And you left. The Canucks have improved, but not by much. My only concern for this upcoming season, I think, is can they stay healthy enough? Not, and like not even that. Like I know every team is going to go through the same thing with like, COVID and whatnot. But 56 games is a long time still, especially with, with COVID. 56 games is a long time. All these young kids that we're talking about, they're all going to get a shot at some point. But are they still deep enough to survive?
0: I'm really wondering like even as I think about sort of the long-term picture here, like we saw Barzell sign that three or $7 million deal. And I think there's an opportunity here with the bridge deal that is likely coming for PD and Hughes, where we could end up seeing our window kind of stretching out a little bit more. And, And, you know, I mean, I think that does bode really well for us. But again, when we go back to this year, um, I'm, I'm with you, Ryan. Like, I, do I think that they've improved? I would say marginally, right? But at the same time, um, I'm also going to continue to say this was a missed opportunity. And it unfortunately sucks because the ghost of Jim Benning hurt this team, man. Ghost of Jim Benning passed, hurt this team. But, but them, don't you think this team
2: has the potential? to come out of the Canadian division and go to the third round of the Stanley Cup playoffs?
0: With a, f- with a $50 million cap, basically. Yeah, I do, which is com- amazing, isn't it? Like, isn't it amazing that they're basically pay- playing? Everybody else has 80. We've got 50, and yet I'm with you. I completely agree. Just get into the playoffs, get one of those and four spots, win. and you could get yourself into the Final Four. And if you get into the Final Four, that's fantastic. Champs. Absolutely. They beat the defending Absolutely. cup champs. I'm, I'm, not totally I'm not scared I'm totally of Toronto. I'm not scared of Toronto. I'm totally with you on that. I'm not but scared you know, of it. Honest to God, I think if if we had that $30 million of cap space available to us to actually add proper depth this depth this season, I think we're talking about a team that's got Stanley Cup aspirations now. No bullshit. Now. And I don't think that's bullshit. We'll
2: see. Honestly, we'll see what kind of step P.D. and Hughes take because you look at the steps that Austin Matthews took from his second year to his third year and what subtle took Even from his King second year to Bruce. his third year but yeah. those guys I'm telling you man Petterson I, I don't know what he's going to be but what we saw in the playoffs might be what we see from Petterson this year and if we if that's what we see like what Petterson did in the playoffs in his first playoffs was unbelievable it's better than McDavid's first playoffs you uh, know, like it is he was a point per over a point per game in the playoffs. McDavid had four points in nine games in the playoffs.
0: You know, I'll tell you one thing: we're talking about points. I'm actually really interested to see PD go up against the top lines because, to and, me, I mm-hmm. think he's going to do a much better job than freaking you know Beagle and Sutter and and even Horvath. poor Horvath, yeah. You know, like who got put in these tough positions? And guess what? if PD can dominate these other guys like I truly believe he's capable of, he then yeah. Horvat's going to go and kill his shifts too, right? And that's well, that's what we saw in better. the playoffs. Yeah, we absolutely. saw that in the playoffs.
2: There was times where Travis Green trusted PD with the, with the bigger matchup, and there was times where, you know, in the St. Louis series, there was bull Horvat and Ryan O'Reilly just going back and forth, but then games, uh, the last two games, Pedersen just took over. Like, Pedersen and his line took over. So, you know, I'm excited to see what Pedersen is going to be this year. I'm excited.
0: I, I, I'm stoked, too. I'm honest. I'm stoked man. to see, you know, Hoglander. I'm, I'm stoked to see Ulevi. I'm stoked to see our young kids. And, and, and you know, let's give it a go. And, and, and again, I'm, I, I'm, you know, totally excited for the regular season. I'm excited to get mm-hmm. into the playoffs and, and, and do some damage and see how it goes. Um, and it, it, it does suck that it, it's obvious in my, at least in my eyes, that this was a missed opportunity, but that doesn't mean that we don't have brighter days ahead, even after next season, right? Like, and whatnot. So mm-hmm. looking forward so to watching that a
2: basketball game right now. I got money on it. It's fourth quarter, golden state, Indiana. Yeah, down by uh, five. Yeah. Miles Turner just took a three and hit it. And I have, I have money on Indiana plus 145 and they're up by three in the fourth quarter. So I'm like, just, you know, just getting pumped. Doing the podcast, multitasking here. felt like I did a pretty good job. Uh, somebody <laughs> said I actually talked with marbles in my mouth and he might be right, but you know, I might start
0: playing. Uh, <laughs> was it, was it, was it your same cousin who was attacking me the other day?
2: Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that guy, uh, he, yeah. he's a good character. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll yeah. get him on one day. Uh, we we actually, uh, I don't know what he his t- Twitter handle is, but I'm pretty sure at one point it was Big Lund, and oh, if people God. don't know what Big Lund means, it means big penis in uh in our language. Yeah. So <laughs> that's that's. Yeah, you know, he's a character. Maybe we'll get him on. Uh, we'll see what happens. But yeah, he's been going after Nam. I don't know. Yeah. I never got the hate for Nam. You know, in the I in the WhatsApp either. group, you know, a, a little bit, we could go back back and forth. But uh yeah. I, I don't got problems. With Nam. I feel I'm like such he's a, such a
0: lovable guy, man. I mean, yeah. wow, nobody hates <laughs> on me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, it was, it was a great show. It uh, was a great man. show.
0: Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, thanks to Sat once again for, for giving mm-hmm. us some time. Um, I know he's a busy guy, but hey, man, fucking season starts tomorrow. I'm fucking stoked.
2: I'm so excited, man. Uh, can't wait. Can't wait. Season's going to be fun, and uh, go Canucks go.
0: Go Connects go.